It's the True Faith Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst, uh, joined today by Ben Wade, Michael Collin and Norman Riley on the line on Skype and we're here to talk to you about Newcastle's 2-2 draw with Bournemouth yesterday. Uh, myself and Norman were there, I've just got back to sunny Seton Delaval um, and uh, yeah, there's much to talk about regarding the result, losing the lead, the subs, the tactics, the context of the results, so we're going to jump straight in. Uh, Norman, I'll start with you since you were there. Uh, first of all, did you have a good day? Do you have a good day down Bournemouth? Brilliant. It was an absolutely brilliant day. Um, I, the, the weather was perfect. Um, there were some really good people, and I just, uh, just excellent. And getting the train back like a few hours after kickoff as well, that which meant that we got an extra little bit of time in, in Bournemouth was sound. And and um, like the Bournemouth fans that we got talking to, I think, like on the way down on the train, um, outside the ground after the match in the pub later on, they were just dead, dead sound. Um, I saw brilliant, brilliant, brilliant place. I'm uh, looking forward to going back next season. Hi. Um, right, well then, let, let, we may as well jump straight into it. Uh, good point for you? Um, I mean, uh, I, I, like I, I said this yesterday after the match, I mean, I, I was I was kind of reinforcing my opinion of it yesterday just because I felt so devastated that the, the fact we lost the two-goal lead. Context, the point where Bournemouth, yes. However, being 2 up, so close to full-time as well. Um, and, and obviously, there was massive, massive chances that... Um, Perez and Shelby had to put the game to bed being missed just it, it was so it's so hard to take and I've only just been able to bring myself to watch the highlights um, prior to recording this pod um, Shelby's chance was massive but you've got to give Aki a credit that was I mean that was absolutely phenomenal him getting back there because um, yeah it was just a really really kind of good brave bit of defending um, but still yeah, I mean, we know Shelby sort of sort of scored. As should um, as should uh, Perez have scored as well. That was, I mean, that was you know that was just a complete lack of composure, which would have had a three 0 That was game over, and we were on so much control for I would say up until about the sort of sixty fifth minute. Um, and he just made a really good decision bringing Smith on for Daniels. Um, it was just an, it was an excellent bit of work by Howe, and obviously that that was a window back into it. And the other thing was Shelby's head. Shelby's head dropped after that chance. It really seemed to affect him missing that chance. And um, you know, obviously, the, well, well, I'm sure the lads will talk about it. But you know, the the the, the Bournemouth equaliser, I think in particular, um, Shelby like just basically disappeared. Um, so I uh, a point two weeks down the line, it'll be you know, you look back and think, right, you know what, that was a great result. It wasn't a defeat. It kept this really good run going in the two defeats in ten. But obviously, now 24, kind of almost 24 hours after the match, I'm still I'm still hurting at the fact we lost the two goal lead, of course. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what the scenes were like, like at half time, and the kind of like that last that last ten minutes before half time and half time were, were I think it was Bolland who called it. That was a, a vision of what Newcastle fans could be like. It, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. The um, I, I, I love that stadium. I like small stadiums like that for like you know not not all the time, but that small stadium where you're kind of just <laughs> you belong in the, the championship, mate. The fans, what's <laughs> And said you belong in the championship. <laughs> ah, well, I'll tell you what, though, like the, the fact that the kind of fans, the away fans, are like you're, you're, you're on top of each other, and it just created a brilliant atmosphere. And like the, the scenes, like when the goals went in, I mean, you know, obviously we're going mad when we celebrate, but that, like, I don't know, it just felt, it felt like one of the like most important goals ever scored just by, by the way people were bouncing around each other. You know, there's just this kind of outpouring of emotion, and obviously, as um, Bolland said, at half time, when people were drinking, there was just like the, the the pure merriment and like the the noise. It was just, it was it was absolutely phenomenal. He's right, it is. A, it is. I mean, 
put it this way, if if we ever won a cup, like you know, and the celebrations afterwards, uh, there would be I genuinely feel like that fear for people's lives. I think there'd be like a, a, just a massive a massive heart attacks because the joy would like destroy people. It's it was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good memory. That's the memory I'll take away from it, mate. There you go. Yeah, um, John Peters has written his first match report for True Faith. I'd recommend everyone check it out. I'll put it in the link to this podcast. Um, he said the same thing that the celebrations for for goal two are are life threatening. Um, but <laughs> essentially, I, I disagree with you a little bit, Norman. I, I I didn't like the ground. I had a great day, but number I... number one, I'm now I'm now partially blind because I had the searing sun like going direct in my eyes for ninety eight minutes, whatever we played, because the sun was so high. And Bournemouth Stadium is so low. There's, there was no for ninety minutes, and it, when you look at the the highlights of the second half, the stadium looks like it's in shade, and it is apart from our stand. <laughs> so that was brutal, and it was just kind of frustrating. There's no disrespect to Bournemouth. I think you know, knowing me, me and you are both fans of, of Eddie Howe, and, and Bournemouth is a team in terms of how they play the game. Um, however, that wasn't a pun. However, um, I just, I just think, I just think it's a tin pot stadium, and it's like. They don't sell out every week, and and the Bournemouth fans that you met, fair enough, and they were all sound. But that's all. That's all there is, and it's just frustrating. To it's kind of envy from our part that they've got the likes of Jermaine Defoe coming on on one hundred and forty grand a week, um, and we've got very little to to offer in terms of that kind of quality from the bench. And I think that showed in the end. And I'm going to come into it in a, in a minute or two. But substitution wise, if you look at the players, forget about the negatives, forget about the positives, forget about how the how the game was good. Look at the players he was able to bring on. Uh, compared to us and that's kind of a little bit that one of the points I think people are missing but yeah Bournemouth it, it, it's one of those weird grounds where I went I went to Yeovil Luton last season and that experience at Yeovil Luton with like 5,000 people more people there is way more relevant to the Bournemouth experience than say watching a game at Newcastle because there's no noise there's no buzz around the ground you're kind of in a housing area you can't see all you can see is the floodlights you, you can only see you don't see the ground until you get to the ground and it's just quiet and small and there's no atmosphere and the Bournemouth fans perked up a bit at the end but and they've got a drum but it's just the least intimidating place to go so fair play to Bournemouth that they do manage to win so many points at home but um, was it, was it, for me that's not Premier League football but you know it's still a good day I, I enjoyed Bournemouth as a as a town me and Norman had um, well Norman talk, talk to the listeners about the taxi driver what happened the way at the ground oh my goodness mate <laughs> um, I mean this taxi driver he was so Full of just absolute shit. That <laughs> I, I, ended up, I ended up recording eleven minutes of I would say a conversation, but it wasn't conversation. It was just it was just his kind of inner monologue of absolute horseshite. Um, like, I don't like rugby. I don't like football. I don't like rugby. But I did play professionally for Saracens. Well, no, I mean, it didn't. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm quoting yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting like is exactly how he said it right um, you know that has come down yeah and you call us all southern poofs but some of the lads down yeah and this is neat shit yeah some of the lads down yeah I've got, I've got it all recorded work out twice record a day Norman did record boys, it you know and then, and then he said um, what was it he made, he made a comment about um, Charlotte being um, you know not um, pretty clever for a for a northern bird, I think he said that. I think that there is words. Um, I just I, like an absolute, just just an absolutely incredible human being. Like you're just thinking, mate, how how have you managed to like make a living in this job without like somebody just killing you, basically? But um, there you go. And if, if anyone's ever interested in the recording, I'm I'm happy to share it. It was absolutely 
spectacular. <laughs> Back to the football, that's a very um, very accurate description of what happened there from Norman because I was in the taxi. Um, back to the football though I mean moving on to the game and how it went I mean I'll bring I'll bring some of the other lads in before I talk about my stuff Ben you know that how how did you take in the game was it kind of just through Soccer Saturday or was it through Radio uh, Newcastle I had a various mix of stuff so the rugby was on at, this, um, at, at the same time so I was watching that I had me sort of phone just following it on uh, like Twitter just on um, BBC and me sports app sort of thing Um but yeah, it was just to to, to be tuned up. It uh, was ridiculous. I I did not expect that. I thought it would be a very tight game. I mean, we obviously were at the the home game where it was there was nothing in it really in, until the last five minutes when they nicked one. And it, I I was sort of expecting something similar. I thought we'd be very very tight and and obviously, um, I mean, haven't seen the goals as well. I mean, they look like some absolute chockers from from the keeper Begovic. Um, so I I was just in a bit of disbelief and and obviously you look at you start. You try to avoid it, but I start looking at the table and we're ahead of them and we're tenth. And you start looking, looking ahead a bit, uh, a bit, and just it for for sort of an hour or so it, on uh, Saturday. It was it was an unbelievable position to be in, and and, and everything was looking rosy. But uh, unfortunately, it all uh, it all came crashing down. I mean, I think the the, the when they scored, it was you, you knew we were going to be in for a, a, a very sort of tough last uh, sort of ten ten minutes plus whatever. Um and it was just a case of whether whether the lads could hold on. Mick, um, your thoughts? I mean, obviously, you'd have seen we go two 0 up, and then did you? Was it related to you about how much in control we were of that game? I mean, I I had the misfortune of following the game via stream for most of the first half, and um, and then on the radio. So it was awful. It's an awful way to uh, take in the match, but it'll be uh. Ben's birthday and Shamal is. Um, <laughs> So I, mean, it, it, <laughs> I hope you were sat with her with like your your little radio like just ignoring her all for the rest of that. I'm here. That's all you get then. Yeah. Um, You're in spirit. So yeah. I, I mean, it, it it did come across that we were in control. Obviously, the goals I think were quite fortunate and two, two, shockers from the keeper. But um, it it did seem like we were in control, and it uh, it's it's disappointing the way the match turned out. Um, there's at half time. I mean, you lads will know better than us, but. Half time, it was like delirium, wasn't it? We were safe. I, I was, I was convinced that was us winning the game, and we were safe. <coughs> if you remember rightly, I called it midweek on the um, previous show. I said two 0 Well, I said two two. Did you? <laughs> so if one of us called it rightly, <laughs> it would be me. But um, yeah, like that, that first half. Regardless, no, regardless of whether you think the goals were lucky or not, that was like whatever you want to call it. That was Rafa ball. They just couldn't lay a glove on her. Mm-hmm. The they tried to go down the middle. Diame was in was he didn't have his best game on the ball. He gave the ball away a couple of times quite poorly actually. But the amount of tackles he won from the wrong side, or the amount of times he broke up play in front of the back two, and then if they did get past him, the back two, um, Lejeune and Lascelles were just so imperious that it was like almost it was almost like a training session at times, mm-hmm. where it was like go on lads, come on, do your worst. Next time, eh? Next time, come back better. And, and we recycled possession. We used it really well. We made great progress into their half of the pitch. And I've seen on social media since, Perez has picked up a bit of criticism. First half, he was excellent. I thought first half, he carried the ball so well. Used the ball so well. But that's why that's why he gets picked. And I know, I know you're saying the goals are lucky and you've seen them. But at, at the time, and obviously the at the time, if you want to give Matt Ritchie and Perez time and space to cross oh, the yeah, ball with no one yeah. in front of them, 
I don't think that's unlucky. I think, yeah, there was some... The, Bournemouth definitely will view them as poor goals. But Dummett's ball for the second goal is brilliant. The, the yeah. keeper doesn't know whether to come. Yeah, the yeah. defenders don't know what to do. That's that's just good play on our part. That's quality when it mattered. And, and Dwight Gale was excellent in the first half. So what what a performance it was. And it's, you know, before we get into any perceived negatives or any actual negatives, it's like, I'm just really pleased that the team... I think Bolland called it again yesterday. Um, we continued where we left off mm-hmm. against Man United. We were more intense than them. We were quicker to second balls than them. They were committing a lot of fouls. We weren't, we weren't particularly doing a lot around their, their box, but we were certainly giving them a lot of defensive questions to think about. And it was such a positive away performance in the Premier League. And I, I did some stuff for BT Sport yesterday. So did Norman and I'll... I don't believe they played the video. Or I hope I didn't at half-time when I said this is going to be five or six. <laughs> I can't see Bournemouth getting back into this at all. And um, it should have been five or six. Yeah. It should have been. But yeah, it could, it could have, that, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you, it, it did seem like it was a game of 80 minutes and then a, a completely separate 10-minute game. I mean, the, the, the ball, Shelby was, looked like he was playing well. I mean, the ball for Richie for that first goal and then, and then the ball from Richie is, is brilliant. I mean, you're right. I, the, the reason I say it's bad from the keeper is because because he's dropped two and one's gone, the second one's gone straight through him. But yeah. it's it's still good play from Newcastle to put them under that pressure and, and get in those positions. And um and, and again the, the other two chances we've we've missed uh, that will go on. Like we we looked like we the plan was working. I mean that that's what we were planning for second half two 0 up. They they're gonna have to come onto it. You you can tell that that's what the game plan was and that's why he's brought Atu on to, to stretch the game and hit him on the counter and, and it should have worked. We've we've just caught well, it up in the last. Yeah, I mean, in terms of hitting on the counter, but before before we move on to the second half, I just thought it was such a... It was not the performance in the first half and most of the second half for a team that would be relegated. We've all seen teams that... Newcastle teams that have been relegated in recent history and even though those teams have had good games in those seasons, none of them have performed like that. You know what, I'll give you an, an explicit example. Newcastle won 3-0 at Portsmouth under Joe Guinier and Portsmouth were the better side. Mm-hmm. And we won 3-0 and we scored two late goals, but Portsmouth should have won the game. That was a better performance yesterday than at Portsmouth, who stayed up that season just. Um, and, and, and Bournemouth were a good side and, and, and aren't pro- probably aren't, aren't going to be relegated. I mean, they only probably need five or six points in the last 10 games, 11 games, whatever we've got left. But um, really positive in the first half and defensively, it was just an absolute joy to watch. And not everyone likes that. Not everyone likes seeing Newcastle be defensive and hard to break down. But that, that, that was just Newcastle United under Rafa Benitez yesterday, first half. Um, second half, Norman... A different story. Um, well, at what point? I mean, let's let's talk about the two misses. I actually think it's three, and I've I've not seen any real highlights. I haven't had time. I only got back three o'clock ish, and it's half past four now. I haven't had time to watch any or take any punditry or match of the day or anything like that. But I thought um, there was a time before the two chances where Perez had loads of time in place and played in Gale, and he played a ball that bounced and. Their big centre back managed to get in front of Gill. He should have. He should have been through. It was. It should have yeah, been one on one. So that was the first one. So I think we had three brilliant chances to score. Norman, live. How bad did they look? How, how bad did we look in the second half? The chances. Um, the chances were missed. Oh, the cha- oh, I mean, live. They looked. I mean, they looked absolutely shocking, didn't they? Um, hey, now obviously now I've looked back at them on on TV. Um, Perez just kind of gets his foot like under the ball instead of through it. You know what I mean? Um, and then Shelby's again. Aki, like, Aki did it incredibly well. So oh, it's hard to say they weren't. Yeah, they weren't as, as clear, like as kind of clear cut as it looked at them live. I mean, live it just looked like they'd missed tapping a ballon. I mean, don't get me wrong. Both of them should have scored. And you know that you can't take away the fact the fact that they were absolutely terrible misses. But yeah, um, 
they looked a hell of a lot worse in the stadium. Um, just devastating because you, you know, you know that, that third one's in, and that is it. It is game, absolutely game on. But they really, um, they really seem to take heart from the from the Shelby miss. Like their players, it was almost like the it gave them like a real kind of Philip. You know, like sometimes like the even just like a tuna down you you win a corner and like all of a sudden like, your players start feeling a bit of belief and they can kind of pick up on the on maybe the nerves hitting the other team and that's. That's what happened. N- nerves, like when we missed those two chances, especially the this Shelby one, the nerves started kicking in with the players, I think. Um, and obviously, again, Smith did um, make a huge difference when he came on, and uh, Defoe came on, and, and Howard made like a note, which I think I think Defoe handed to Smith. And um, obviously, that, that tactical change, it, it worked. It should because for 25 minutes, we the last 25 minutes, we have to be honest, you know, I mean, we, we weren't in the game. Really, other than, other than the chances, you know, which some stuff, but we weren't. They had, they really kind of went for it, which I suppose you can expect for a team that's two 0 down at home. We asked for some yeah. list, listener questions here, and um, quite a few of them revolve around the midfield and Shelby and number ten. So we've got Mick Martin asked, "Are we getting enough from our midfield?" And uh, Donny Zero Suddy says, "Has too much pressure been put on Shelby to perform this season consistently?" And then someone's asked, "Were I believe yes, Simon Daniel Smith asked were to look at the." analysis of Shelby so we'll talk about him now with the lads who have seen the highlights and stuff like that because I haven't seen it but first of all Shelby ran that game yesterday it was one of his best performances in a, in a string of recent good performances the goal the ball for the goal the first goal get a lot of praise and it was a brilliant ball in between the centre-back and the full-back um, but in general him and Diarmi again it just worked yesterday maybe it didn't work as well as it did against Manchester United but in terms of playing the ball keeping possession making Bournemouth work he had a really, really good game. Now, obviously, I've not seen the highlights, Ben. Mm-hmm. Go on, then. Was it was John Joe Shelby to blame for us not winning this game, aside from the miss? I think they've, 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 they've sort of hung him out to dry a little bit. I mean, the the analysis they gave of it to the set, it was sort of the good and the bad, and they showed you the, the positives, and there was a lot of good in, obviously, the early part of the game. Um, what they then showed was for the, the, the two goals, where basically he's just fallen asleep and... And they said it's it's a concentration thing whereby he's, he's let. So I think he's let. Um, I think two players run past him for the first goal, and one of them Smith, and he doesn't react, and he just le- sort of leaves it to the rest of the players. And obviously Smith. I mean, to be fair, like Smith pulled it out of the bag. I don't know where, like where that's come. It was from. a weird one. It's almost it's, like he wasn't really aiming the shot anywhere. Yeah, he's it, hit it on the half volley, and, and it's, it's just clipped under the bar. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's, a, it's an odd one, but and nothing the keeper could do about that. And. Yes, it's it's frustrating because that's I mean that's sort of one thing I've said about our team a few times is that the sort of I, I feel like we need more out of the attacking players to to work harder on the defensive side and Perez does a he puts a big big shift in but then he there'll be moments in games where he he seems to sort of drop off and yes it's hard to do it for ninety minutes but at least try like show like you try and put the effort in I think that that's what it was from Shelby it was sort of. You you could it felt like he he felt like he'd done his shift and and sort of it was wasn't his his sort of um, area of the game anymore and it's up to the defenders to sort of do that bit the second one's bad because he, he does switch off he lets his man run in at the middle and, and he, he ends up like sort of nowhere near the, the, the play and you think what's he doing out there having said that I, there was enough players in the box especially for the second one there's enough players back there to the, we should stop it how Dan Goslin gets a free tap in with with literally nine players in the box from us, seven yards from goal as well. It's just it 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 just was players panic. It was it was panic, and um, Norman mentioned it there about the nerves. It was panic. I mean, there's there's about five players run to the ball, 
because it comes over to the back post for the second goal. And nobody's thinking, shit, where's my man? I need him. Like, nobody stops and, and has a look round and just t- takes that one second to sort of survey the, the, the actual danger in the box. Everyone just runs to the ball and, and leaves two, two players basically marked mark by one in the middle. And that, that was the frustrating. And I think that's, that's the sort of the characters in the, in the team. And obviously, we're, we're inexperienced. We, we, don't, we don't have anybody that's a leader that's saying, Sort of took the. It just looked like a lack of communication. So I think they can they can pin, pull um the the sort of the video analysis out for Shelby and blame him for it. But we had enough people back there to, to do that job, and it's one of those things. It's frustrating, but um, what what can you do? <laughs> can I jump in there, sorry lads, just to say um, Tad, what you said there, Ben. Could you like have a look back at the goal, like the space that um Cook is in in order to put the ball into Costner? Like, I'll put the ball back in. Is it Cook or putting it into Smith or? Is it for the second goal? Because basically, one of the goals, Cook is just in, like, he's in the 18 yard box, mm-hmm. and, but it's almost like there's no one around him for about six or seven yards. It's huge, and that is absolutely just like concentration that's completely lacking because the players are, are shitting themselves, basically. Yeah, it's, it was just lack, lack of composure, and I think it's that you, again, just to repeat what you said before, it was the, the nervousness of that, of, of the team at that stage, and obviously all the pressure's coming onto them. and we don't have the out ball anymore because of the, the substitutes obviously that have come on. It was very much, we, we, that was how we were setting up and we knew how that was the game was going to go and we just didn't, we're, for, for some reason, we just couldn't handle it. Um, it's, it's just frustrating, it's one of those things, but we'll, we'll learn from this experience and hopefully um, the, the players will, will, uh, will sort of learn, learn from, from those mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I may as well get into the, the substitutions now. And one of the one of the clear things in the second half that was different to the first half was Steve Cook had been told to basically play as a right winger, particularly when we see the possession. And that, you know, so let's talk about substitute number one, Asufa Kennedy, and Rafa's being accused of making overly defensive Cubs Cubs subs. That is a very positive substitution for me. Number one, Kennedy done a poor game. I think that's maybe a bit harsh, an average game. It was a bit like he was against Man United. He won some free kicks, which was good. He threatened but he didn't really get on the ball I think I think he's been identified by the opposition as a threat uh, you know so, so they're willing to put extra men in him and, and that's something that he has to react to Every anyone would at this level but Atsu for Kennedy for me was an attacking substitution and it because Atsu is more attacking than Kennedy Kennedy plays left back for Chelsea better defensively and it worked that substitution worked in terms of the fact that Atsu created that chance um, he, got, he got in behind a couple of times actually just on that on that point I think Norman said about the Shelby, the, the Shelby chance before. I, th- I think Atsu's too slow to give the ball to Shelby. Right. He, he has so long, and I think it's one of those things. And it's it's a criticism we've, we've, we've always had of Atsu on on the show is that he's he's sort of decision making and, and his quality in the final third isn't isn't always there. And again, he, he took far too long. He had so much time to to play the ball to Shelby. I think he, he wasn't sure when he needed to play it, and if he plays it, and sort of he has so much time to play it at any point and nobody's getting back to Shelby. He holds and holds, sort of commits it and it's one of those do you try and commit the defender or not? The defender does well I suppose to, to not fully commit until the end. But but he, he he gives Aki the chance to get back and if if Atu plays that ball and it's it's a simple enough ball, sort of and any any moments earlier, it's a much easier chance for Shelby to just slot it in. But but he, he delays delays and, and it allows them back and Shelby should still score. Don't get us wrong. I mean it's a terror. He's he just puts his foot through it and it was such a sort of a, just a, he lost his head and such a lacking in composed finish. It was it was bad from Shelby, but Atsu could have made it a lot easier for him. 
Yeah, I mean, live it looked like Atsu didn't know whether to stick or twist. When he was yeah. initially played through, I think he thought he was going to go through and go and have a yeah. shot. And it wasn't until he possibly heard the away and lost Shelby screaming <laughs> in the space he was in. And then he kind of has that one second moment where he, the ball kind of gets lost under his feet a little bit in, in what haven't happened. But back to the sub. So I've got no issues with that sub at all. Mankio for Richie on about 85 minutes. Richie, I don't know whether how well this has been picked up. He'd been booked for descent. Which is the Matt Ritchie of last Shock. season, I know. <laughs> Frustrating, but also when he plays his best football, he gets booked for descent, so <laughs> take it whatever way you want. Um, and he committed a couple of fouls, I think, and and he he put a lot in and he played really well. And I think it was just one of those subs where we weren't doing anything from an attacking sense of uh, view at this, at this point in 85 minutes. It was clearly we're going to have to hold on. The argument about maybe bringing Jacob Murphy on or not bringing Murphy on and, and, and keeping Ritchie on, I just think Mankio, who who does have ability going forward to play in front of Yedlin, is I'm fine with that substitution. I don't see it as only defensive. I think the, we're going to have to do defending from down that side, and you know Mankio didn't do particularly brilliantly when he came on, but that's just what happens in football. Mm. I don't have a massive issue with that, so I don't think it's only defensive. I think taking off a booked winger who's put everything in um, for you know for another defensive minded player when you're trying to hold on to a, to a lead is a is a good shout. Um, the the one the one thing I want to criticise slightly is is the um, the Hayden for Gale. Uh, I understand taking Gale off. He's he Gale ran himself into the ground because he's brilliant and he's good like that. Um, oh, was he missed then? This we're watching the cup final. That's some miss from Albanian. But anyway, um, yeah, I would have much rather seen Hoslu come on there. I'd have much rather seen Hoslu come on. What he's obviously done, he's dropped Hayden back to midfield three, um, and he's left Perez there up front by himself. Hosselu would have been able to maybe win some free kicks. And that's the, it's not about Perez's lack of pace. It's not about his lack of strength. It's his lack of ability to, to even contest the balls and win free kicks and drag the whole team 50 yards forwards and, and, and waste an extra minute and 90 seconds. We just didn't have that. So I don't think that was a good free kick. It was actually Charlotte who made the point yesterday, I think, on the, um, the Match Day podcast for Patreon subscribers, which was um, Hayden came on against Palace and was... Didn't affect the game at all there, and that was a strange one. So, yeah, I'm not. I'm really not sure about that. So, but you know, Benitez said this at the recent talking that more than ever before, because of the stakes, he analyzes his own decisions and he realizes that every decision he makes and every sub sub he makes isn't perfect and it isn't right. I think this kind of goes into a a longer debate, Mickey, about seeing out games and losing points from winning positions. Now, two points dropped against Palace. This is if you view it this way. I don't, but this is the argument. Two points dropped against Palace. Two Burnley. points dropped against Burnley, and there's there's your six points right there. Um, you know, uh, Craig Richardson asks, are we strong enough defensively to try and see out games? And I'll also chuck in Miles Lambert's question: We're competitive in every game, yet other teams around us look more capable of winning games. Does that mean we're in more danger than we realise? Um, it's it's a difficult set of questions you give us there. Um, I think we've we've now been ahead and and not won in seven games this season, which. There's no argument about it. It's a pattern, and it's. Um, I'd argue though that the Chelsea and Man U games are just an anomaly. So take it down to five. <laughs> yeah, five still too many though, isn't it? Really, um, and it, it it's hard because you would say our defensive performances and our defensive ability is good, and that's 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 what we've based the team on, and and it's excellent. But then you think about it in the context of those five games and how how critical those ten ten points maybe more. Would be over the course of the season. Um, we'll be safe by now if, we, if we'd won all those games. Um, obviously, that's unrealistic. But just yeah, I think I think you would have to see the stats of the other teams around us as well. Because it's just 
it's it's not so much us and Benitez in my opinion mm-hmm. it's more just what teams in opposition do the throwaway leads yeah. Yeah. rather than us being the, I mean maybe maybe they always should have checked into it but I've just got back from Bournemouth right now like it, maybe maybe it is a Newcastle United thing but I don't think so it's not it, it's, it's absolutely not but we're looking at Newcastle United aren't we so that's that's the way you've got to frame the, the argument um, are we in more danger than we think I, I don't agree with that um the the question has got a valid point, and and you look at teams like Bournemouth, and you kind of think that they, they have got more results that maybe they didn't quite deserve, where Newcastle haven't. Um, Bournemouth have, have taken four season. points of us, haven't, and they deserve none. Yeah. yeah. Argue. Um, oh, but yeah, are we in more danger? No, I don't think so. I think we're. I think putting that point on the board is important, and four points this week, it's good. I think we're. I think we're. All right. That was going to be your next question, Mickey. It's um, you know, good point or not? Where do you stand? Well, the the reaction of some people on social media has been absolutely crazy to this. Um, obviously, everyone's disappointed about losing a 2-0 lead, but we've got four points in the last two games at home to Man United and away at Bournemouth. That's a good return. That's that's a good return for a decent side. Um, Bournemouth haven't lost at home since since December, I think that was against Liverpool, who battered them, obviously. Um, so if you, if you think about the point in a, a point in that game is good, that's what everyone going in would have said would have been a good result. It's only it's only viewed differently now because in, we're two goals out. I think that that that's the thing is what we we've, we've said. It's important to keep this the momentum going. I mean, we we spoke about it uh, after the Man U game that there's there's only City I think that have that have beaten with recently. We've, we've picked up a lot of points, and you you can view some of those. You've you mentioned the Berlin Palace ones there as points drop, but realistically going into those games, you wouldn't have seen them as 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 sort of games that we should be winning necessarily. I mean, the Burnley one. Maybe different, but away to Palace and away to Bournemouth, there's nobody realistically thought that we would go in with those games games comfortably. No, that was tight. today was Palace's first home defeat since August or yeah. something, or September. Um, and it's it's one of those things I think where yes, obviously the, the position we're in that that's that's the problem is is that we're two 0 up and we're looking comfortable and we're playing well and and especially after the Man U result when we've we're held on and we're we held our own against them and it's it's frustrating but we've got to see every point is a positive at this stage and we you've just got to keep accumulating them. Look at the other results take taken into context of that it was key that we picked something up. Um, so I I think it's a good point. Mickey, as well, you said that Norman. I'm going to guess you you agree with the same thing that it's a positive point, not not two points lost. I uh, I mean it, it has to be. I have to, I have to view it as a positive point because I always just go back to what what would I've taken before before kick off. Would we've taken a draw? Yes. Certain circumstances that you know we ended up getting the point in. They 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 were the upsetting thing. Um, just the the losing the two leaders is huge upsetting, but. You know, we, we were away at West Brom, we were two down, we came back to twos each. It's one of those things that you just think, well, yeah. it's it's gonna it's gonna happen to you. At times you're you're gonna come back from a couple of goals doing another team will. Um and it was low turned me on the receiving end of it yesterday and that that's really, really hard to take. But um as I said in a in a couple of weeks' time, um try I mean maybe take the Liverpool game out of the equation, but um if we you know, we beat Southampton at home, then it's, this is a really, really good point. Um, if, if we get the, if we get the three points against Southampton, I mean, I, I know it's a big if, but um, our position at the moment in the table and with our remaining fixtures, you know, I think there's probably teams doing their like, you know, Palace, Swansea, West Brom, certainly Stoke. They would all swap, you know, what we've got and probably who we're playing. We've got it, it is in our own hands with like Huddersfield, Southampton, and West Brom at home. I'm not, I'm not making assumptions that we're going to win these games at all, but. 
you know, we are in a in a good position to um to get the points required to to stay up. So so I it's it's it is it's a it's a good point. Sorry, go. No, well, I, I mean, I was going to say kind of echo a little bit what Norman said, but yeah. Time will tell. I think it's a good point right now. And as I said, take me before the game. Time will tell us if it's a good point. Southampton have got Stoke next weekend. That's a massive game. They play each other. You kind of, part of me thinks before we move on to it, Ben, about looking at the rest of the league. Part of me thinks that the three that are in there now, Swansea, Swansea, Stoke and West Brom, could be the ones to go. Now, Swansea have got a lot of fixtures against teams around them yeah. but if they get if they're going to get beat 4-1 in them yeah it, it, you well, that, know. That, I mean that, I think that we for, um, we we spoke about it on the review last week and, and I had my three to go down I actually think Stoke might get out of it just because I think and to be fair they, they, they played well against Leicester yesterday I don't know if you got to no, see any of that game they, I mean they got a bit of luck and there was a couple of chances but they, they could easily be turning up in that game Shakiri misses a, an open goal I mean it's from 40 yards out but he, he could he has a chance to go go two up there um and they've they've they've, they've got goals they've got some quality players I mean Shakiri we'd we'd kill for uh, to have a player like that uh, sort of in our in, Pro- in problem our team. problem for Stoke is I'm looking at the next six games they're away at Southampton mm-hmm. they're at home to Evan that's not too I bad mean, the, the but Southampton then they've got they've got Spurs City Arsenal and 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 West Ham away for a team that's won one away game all season mm-hmm. you're thinking. I mean, they they finished with Palace and Swansea, but and Burnley, Burnley are in, in trouble. I mean, yeah. there's there's games there that I think they 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 just are a team that just they've they've got goals in them. I think is is what some of the other teams lack. I mean, so we were talking about Swansea there. I don't really see where Swansea are, are getting out of it, and I think they're in real trouble because um, they they just as you say going get humped off um, Brighton. off off Brighton four four one was such a bad result. Um and they just they've 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 sort of they were they were gone and buried and everyone had sort of said they were cut adrift, um until Carvajal came in and, and pulled out a couple of miracle results, but they're still down there. They've they've had that lift yeah. and they're still in in the shit basically. Um, so I I just think they've sort of had their their moment to get out and they didn't get their heads above the sand and now they're they're, they're going to start to drop back in and. Um, you're right. They've got a lot of games there where they they're against the teams around them. But the, the the problem with that is, is as you say, if they get if they're losing those games and it's given given more um, sort of distance between between them and, and the teams are playing and there's a lot for them to play for. But I I just don't think they've got the quality. Um, I mean, they're going away at Huddersfield. Huddersfield will take confidence from that. They'll see that game as a as a an opportunity to, to at home it's, as well to to kick on and sort of. Very, very air Swansea, I think, and it's it's like we're, we're talking about other fans and how they feel, and everyone, you know, every Trinity Mirror publication or every, every local paper will have the the predictor that we've all done, <laughs> and you know, like you know what Newcastle fans are like. Some of them have, who had them were finishing sixth, <laughs> like winning every game, <laughs> Still, and now got from, we're finishing from this bottom. Position. Yeah, um, but you know, you know, if you look at other fans, with Swansea fans, oh Newcastle, they've got Palace away, they've got Man United at home, they've got Bournemouth away, fucking no points here. Here yeah, we yeah, go, yeah. five points. Yeah, you know, like. And it's like, and I know fans will take half from the fact we were 2-0 up yesterday, but it is like when you look at the Premier League table, I mean, we were, we were talking before about Palace. Palace, by the way, fuck it, they've got Man United I've, at home, they've got uh, City away, and they've got um, Arsenal, I think, Arsenal away and in, their next, in their next four games. And they've just lost to Spurs today. And they've just lost to Spurs, and they've got no players. The best player might not be, I mean, he might be back for the Spurs game, the, uh, the Arsenal game. But, you know, if you're Palace, you're thinking... You know Newcastle, Bournemouth. They get beat there. Bournemouth on a great run. I know Eddie Howe's manager of the month. I know they had a bad result, but they're really good at home, and they've got a point. So, 
we, we don't need as a fan base we can't get regardless of whether you think Raf is too, Raf is too negative regardless of whether you think it's a bad point regardless of you think it's unacceptable to lose a two goal lead in the last 10 minutes which is some of the language I've seen used it doesn't matter until the end of the season you know people who want to be furious or be abusive or even if you just hold that opinion which there is nothing wrong with and it could be quite valid um, it's kind of pointless getting annoyed now or getting frustrated now because we need to stay up and it's it's all in our hands and we, we like Norman said yeah maybe we won't beat Southampton at home but it's a hard game maybe we'll not get through uh, as easily as we'd like to against West Brom and Huddersfield but we'll, we'll probably only need to win two games we're probably and we're capable. We're capable of going to Leicester and winning. We're capable of going to Everton and winning. We'll be. I'll be going to both games. That, we're capable of going to Watford and winning, and that's before the three home yeah. games. And you know what? Next week at Liverpool, Bolland was telling me that Liverpool are going to have their way with where we'll. I'd like. I remember when Liverpool came to us at St James's Park and the Fab Four were playing for the first time ever, and it was going to be six. People were saying on Twitter they'd be happy if we kept it low, below three, <laughs> and we drew ones each. So, it, um, and we went there last year. I mean, we. We, yeah, uh, yeah, we did two we seasons went, ago. Yeah, sorry, two, yeah, and and two 0 down on that game, and with with a worse team than we've, well, a worse sort of spirit than than we've got in this team, and sort of less uh, you you would say, sort of weaker characters, and and we, we came back from two 0 down and, and and got a two 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 uh, sort of commendable draw at that. So every game's that playing. Yes, obviously that that's a, it's going to be a tough game, but the way we're playing, we've we've not really taken any batterings to or, or too many anyway this season. I just don't see the way this team is fighting and they're playing. I I don't see them, um, sort of wil- wilting over in any games, and, and we're going to be in at all of these games to play. You you've mentioned a few there. The, the Everton, I mean Everton, don't look any, um, sort of don't don't look too too brilliant. I mean obviously they're they're, they're probably safe, but they're, <laughs> well, they're not they're not going to be blowing any they're not going to be Norman, blowing anyone out of the water out of the water. No, Norman they? still has hopes, don't you, Norman, for a, an Everton relegation? I mean they've got thirty four <laughs> points with ten games to go, like but. I messaged the I messaged you this morning, didn't I? And it was like a, a real hopeful punt. Um, by the way, <laughs> Everton's still on over this yet. And then obviously you, being pragmatic about it, said, "Well, yeah, but the home form is good enough." And then he basically two more wins, which which we'll get. But obviously, yeah. it's like Allardyce is such that you know it is a bit of wishful thinking. Although um, you know nothing nothing against Everton at all, just purely on Allardyce. Um, actually, to add to the point, I've mentioned this before about rivals. Then you make a good point about Stoke in terms of their playing personnel. I've got like I've got players and I've got a couple of match winners in there. Like you see, Shakiri, Chu, and Moting. Like these are these are players that can. Crouchy can still do it. But <laughs> and I've said this probably this is probably like the fiftieth time I've said this now because I still can't get my head round it. <laughs> uh, Paul Lambert is utterly uninspiring as a manager. Like he's they're going to struggle because I just genuinely don't think that um, Lambert's got the um, the managerial abilities to keep them up. Um, again. I may be being hopeful, but I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised at this stage, you know, to see Stoke stay up, especially now that, you know, they, they haven't been able to go out in January and buy like three or four players. It's, yeah, they're stuck with what they've got, and I think, um, I think Stoke and West Brom, for me, are, for me, are gone. I hope you're right. Just to bring it back onto something really positive rather than talking about shite football teams. <laughs> um, Dubravka again yesterday showed that it wasn't a one off. He was absolutely brilliant, and ignoring the saves he made in the times he came off his line and claimed the ball brilliantly, he just. He just barks at the lads. He's not their mate during the game. Like he's he's hugely offended if they allow a shot on goal. Like hugely offended by it. <laughs> that's what they should be like, though. It's, and that's what that you know. And he he comes out screaming at them and shouting at them and telling them off. And 
no like pats on the back for doing well. It was no. like, no, you shouldn't have fucking let him in the first place. <laughs> yeah. and he's the kind of player I can imagine, a young like player from the under-18s or something, training with the first team. And even though I'm sure he's a sound bloke, not wanting to play in front of him because he takes football so seriously. And <laughs> that's what we didn't have from the other two keepers who both got their, their positives. Um, but the two two nice lads. But yeah, they're, 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 I've, never, I've never seen anyone like sprint off the line in the first half. I mean, Bournemouth had a shot that nearly went out the ground and he sprinted the 18-yard box to shout at whoever it was that had let him get the shot off. Mm. And it's just like, yeah, that's, that's that ruthless nature that this team lacks. And you know what? They, we're the youngest team in the league and maybe they need someone like that to be fucking hoying it up them like when they do stuff like that. Um, and that, it, that comes back to the sort of the, what, the point I was making before about you don't rest on your laurels. Yes, the, the attack, every player 1-11 has got a job to play and they've all got to work hard and, and it's it's just that positive sort of that in, in reinforcement to, to keep going. Someone's bollocking you and it, I, like we, we know when we play 5 aside, yeah, you, you need your keeper to be barking those instructions defensively. They're, they're the ones that can see what's going on and, and, and you need that encouragement and that sort of kick up the arse to, to keep going and, and it's good that we've got that now and I think that, that'll be a big, hopefully play a big part there. Uh, Finally, just to go through a couple more listener questions, we really appreciate these listener questions uh, at TF Weekly Pod. Um, you know, one uh, here from at Out of Hand 32. Do we have better uh, option number 10 than Perez? Probably not. I thought he did all right yesterday. Second half, he wasn't great, but first half, he was very good. Much like the team, much like the rest of his colleagues. Um, I think that what we talked about in the three quarter review is stats. The stats for when Perez plays are much better. We don't get beat anywhere near as often. Um, than we do when he doesn't play. I think he hasn't started seven games and we've we've lost five of them or something like that. I think he's a, it's it's a frustrating one because you think of the number ten position as it should be the the creator of the team. It should be um, the sort of the you you look at every other team in the league, but basically their number ten is is pretty much their sort of creative spark in the team. That's not what Perez does. He, he's like a workhorse, and I, I think he is the best option because as you say, he works hard and. Yes, he he has some some poor games and his his lack of consistency is, is what stopped him from sort of progressing any further in the game. I think it's that that that's his issue. He, he has some quality and then he goes and misses a the chance like he did the other day and that was his sort of moment of the game to shine and and unfortunately he he, he sort of wilted. But I, I do think he gives us we'll have a better shape of the team defensively when he's in because he does a lot of a lot of donkey work and. I just think the the players that they know what they're getting with him. Whereas, who who the other options we've got? I mean, you, okay, you could say maybe try Murphy in there, but he's he's in unknown quantities. He's again he's inconsistent, and you wouldn't have the trust in him to do the 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 donkey work. Um, Richie's been is is played there once I think, and it's one that people have talked about. But then you lose what what he gives you on the wing and and sort of the the um the sort of partnership he's got with with Yedlin. Um, you would lose all that. I just think Perez gives gives you um at the minute, gives it makes us more solid and, and that's why I think we should stick with him. We don't have anyone else that actually plays number ten. We would be shoehorning someone in that's a winger, mm-hmm. um or a striker. So, I, I mean, I I made said my bit about Perez on the uh, on the review last time. I think he's he's good for the side and the the defensive part of his game is useful. So no, I don't think there is a better option. And... I th- I think it's it's one that you will definitely hope to improve in the future, but. For what we've got at the minute, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose even Marino came came on, um, and, and played that role as well. You, I just don't have the trust in him that I do with Perez to to be chasing people as as much as he does. There's a blast from the past, Michael Marino. <laughs> he dropped off the face of the earth, hasn't he? In terms of a selection point in Newcastle, um, was he on the bench? Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, but you know, maybe I really I really liked 
Gale and Hoslow at West Ham away. Um, but that might have been specific to West Ham, so who knows? And I mean, I think we could see Gale in at number ten if Slomani plays. Yeah, that's that's what we're hoping for. But Slomani just looks like he's not going to play for him. Yeah. It's just one of them things, isn't it? And it's Newcastle fans are some Newcastle fans are so weird with their obsession about value. It's like they've been raised, born and bred under Mike Ashley and Lambias and Charlie. Like they probably have to be fair, <laughs> but but it's like. Who gives a fuck if if Slimani's a waste of money? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who gives a fuck? That's normal. That not every transfer works. Who gives a toss if Jesus Gamers has been a flop at two million quid? It's yeah. not our money. Like <laughs> it's good. Do you know what I mean? It's good to have players in your first team squad that aren't mint. I know that sounds counterproductive, but a normal football team will have players that can't get on the like senior players yeah, yeah, yeah. that can't get on the bench because there are better options ahead of them. We're so conditioned, or so many Castle fans are so conditioned. To be like, right, we've only got 17 fit first-team players here and they're all, they're all involved and they're all... It's like Jacob Murphy. And I, I get it a little bit more Jacob Murphy because obviously he played very well in spells. People are getting upset that Jacob Murphy's not involved more. Well, Richie's in the form of the season. Kennedy's been a revelation. Why would Jacob Murphy be involved out of those two players? And people are like, well, they cost 12 million quid. Well, good. It's good that we'll have a player who costs 12 million quid when the team is playing well and yeah, no, we maybe could have turned a couple of draws into wins. That he's not involved. That's a good thing. That means the players playing in those positions are doing well. Just and people are going. Slimani will cost with this much per game and this. Much, and it's like so what? Do you know what I mean? It's it's the, the the figures you're quoting are still fuck all. He's not Michael Owen. If he, if he ends up costing with four million quid and not kick a ball and we still say it's like literally so what? It it serves the people that run the club right for running the club like that and behaving like that. I think we're just about done for today's show because I'm getting off on a tangent there. <laughs> Thanks everyone who listened. We had 150 people almost sign up for the extra uh, content on Patreon. We really appreciate that. There's four extra shows last week. There'll be four extra shows this week. £1.25 per week. We hope it's worth it. All the money goes back into the podcast, uh, improving the quality. We've got a great show lined up week, uh, this week, which is Ben's conversation with Nick Ostabizas, Newcastle legend, just for Patreon subscribers only. So, you know, we'll put the link on the, uh, on the podcast uh, on both social media outlets that we'll have and we we'll hope you subscribe if you like it ask us any questions if you do you can play the bonus shows through your usual podcast play you get email and rss feed you can listen through the podcast app um all those kind of things podbean so lads thanks for your time i'm sure we'll beat liverpool it'll be fine um and uh no one remember the draw with uh with bournemouth so thanks everyone for listening and we'll speak to you soon